For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Welcome, everyone. It's overtime. Welcome to a special edition of the Stadium Journey podcast. Stadium Journey is the leader in sporting event reviews for the traveling sports fan. Please visit our website at stadiumjourney.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Today we are pleased to be joined by some of our regulars and some of our guests. Uh, Welcome regular Mark Viquez. Follow him at Ballpark Hunter. And our special guests... Stadium Journey, Western Canada correspondent Jim Flannery, and friend of the show and host of the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast, Tim Capper. Gents, thanks for joining us today on this special day, uh, for staying up late for our friends in the West. Or, well, I guess it's the East that's staying up late. East. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for coming out, because... We try and be timely at Stadium Journey sometimes, and we've had some, what I think is pretty big news this week, because it has been reported that the CFL and the XFL are in, uh, quote, deep discussions to form some sort of partnership. Now, when this was released on various media platforms, uh, the typical Canadian reaction has been one of mass panic and uh, fear that our, our our beloved Canadian Football League, uh, which is beloved more when it's on its way out than maybe when it's here, uh, is in trouble. And, you know, do we, do we trust The Rock? Uh, Dwayne Johnson, who the Americans like to remind us has ties to the Canadian Football League, but most of us who are fans of the Canadian Football League know that he was wow. not there long enough to have a cup of coffee. Um, but what do we what do we think? What do we think this all means? What do you think, guys? Uh, we can only speculate right now. I mean, you know, are we expecting one of the leagues to become three down football? Are we expecting the CFL to become four down football? These are two different codes of football, and I don't see the two leagues merging to form one league and playing against one another. Uh, however, I don't know. I, I would assume that maybe it has to do with marketing, player movement, TV contracts here in the States. It, it's, it's a lot to take in because I think the XFL needs to worry about itself because I don't know what that looks like. Is it going to be the same eight teams from – Last year, or they're going to have new markets. You know, the CFL's got some woes as well. They they lost a lot of money this year not playing. So uh, I'm not sure how these two leagues are going to – I think these two leagues separately have to take care of themselves. I think the CFL has a long, rich history of, uh, of football, and the XFL is, is still hasn't proven itself. And this will be, what, the XFL 3.0? So I, I'm just speculating right now. I won't be shocked what I hear, and I probably will be surprised what I hear. It's, I, I don't know what to expect from this. And right now they're just talking, nothing nothing concrete or major. I think that that's actually the, the issue itself, is that, that, that it's all they're talking. Yes, and we hear Randy talking. Ambrosi say something. 
And it's whether to believe Randy Ambrosi, unfortunately, if he's, you know, he's just politicking and just saying what he has to say. Um, I think that, I, I mean, you look at The Rock. Yes, he is. He has ties to Canada because, you know, father was born in Nova Scotia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But these are two different leagues. And, and they're, there's two different leagues at opposite ends of the calendar. That's so there, there, there are way too many variables right now to determine how these leagues could possibly get together. And I think what was the term that was used in the original presser? Collaboration. <laughs> that can yeah. mean anything. And then everybody starts spouting this, that, and the other. I mean, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I would tend to agree as well. We we don't have enough information to move on. I mean, the CFL has had associations with the NFL in the past where there was discussions at one point, I, as I recall, of the CFL turning into something like a minor league system, uh, which never really happened. And uh, so right now, what does that even look like? I don't know. Uh, again, like every time The Rock has a new movie out, uh, we in Alberta get to see the one picture of Dwayne Johnson wearing a Calgary Stampeders jersey that exists on earth from when he tried out for the team and failed. Uh, but, um, yeah, are, are we going to put the two leagues together? I don't know. Are we going to mess with the rules between the two? I don't know. Is it going to become a farm system thing? There's, there's just not enough information to say one way or the other at this point, I'd say. So yeah, that's, that's the only thing that seems to make sense, the XFL being a farm system for the CFL, but I can't see the XFL wanting to wear that hat at this moment. Yeah, it, I, I, I put on Twitter that um, if this becomes like a merger, instantly the, the CFL slash XFL becomes the football equivalent of the ECHL, right? It's, it's just there, there ceases to be anything unique about the league anymore, and... Uh, we lose we lose the Canadian content, which you know is a is a huge thing from our from from Canada's point of view. Was uh, when when they expanded into the states, it was a big bone of contention. You know, these American teams now didn't have any Canadian content, and and what was the point of the CFL? Um, and hey, let's face it, you know, as as Canadians, we we showed our inferiority complex over the last uh, over the last few days and, and had a mad freak out that this was the end of the CFL, which isn't, which I, I will say it's not a bad thing, right? If we're having a mad freak out that this is the end of the CFL, that means that people actually care about the CFL. That's good to hear. That's good to know. <laughs> so, uh, but let's face it, it, it's been pointed out that in the three biggest markets, the, the, the gates have been pretty rough the last few years. In fact, heading in the wrong direction. Uh, from a Toronto standpoint, the idea had been for the, a long time that the Argos just had to get out of the Rogers Centre. It's just too big. They just got to get outside. They got to get to a real football stadium. And then they did that, and the attendance dropped in half, which I don't get it. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a, little, a little strange, but one thing that jumps out at me is, is what does the CFL actually gain from the XFL? I'm not sure. Does anybody have an answer to that? Other than possible money from the investment group that's behind the XFL and The Rock and Gar and his ex-wife Garcia, I mean, it's uh, I said maybe marketing. But uh, you talked about TV show t uh, TV contracts before. We're already on ESPN 3 and 2. So the last time the CFL was on broadcast TV was during the NFL strike in the 80s, right? 1982, yes. Yeah. I, you could be right. I remember reading a report, uh, watching a report on that. Many yeah, I, years think, ago, I think it was NBC. That. I think NBC had had a game. It was, but anyways, yeah, it was during the, the scab. So we're not forty years on that already. Yeah, yeah. And that was unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know other 
other media, social media platforms, other other apps that the XFL has access to that will bring the CFL on? I have no idea. And you're right; it's just they're just talking right now. So I I, I don't see the benefit of the CFL except attention. We have a bunch of Americans talk about Canadian football right now, you know, saying, "Yeah, let's let's bring four down football to Canada," which I don't think don't think that's going to be a wise decision. You know, I always looked at the Canadian football game as, you know, it just never progressed to add the fourth down as college football did in the States. I think think it was 1912, the, I don't know, 1906 is when the fourth down was added to the U.S. football, uh, NCAA. And that was the same year the Ford Pass was there. And, of course, the uh, CFL didn't add the Ford Pass until the 30s. They still have not added the, third, the fourth down. I don't think they will. If they do, that would be football in Canada's version of BC and AD if they do that. So, I mean, if they are going to merge, I would assume if that's the case, they would have to play an XFL type of game. And, and maybe that opens it up to American audiences who are now going to watch it. But, I can't see that happening. I really cannot see that happening. Well, and it, it's – I think it was further pushed by, you know, we had the original announcement, and it wasn't just like a few reporters who were talking about maybe this is rumbling in the background. It was an official press release from Randy Ambrosi. Um, and then you had, like, you had June Jones talking, who has who has experience, Denver. right? Like he former head coach of the, of the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a few years, and – he went after that. He either went to the XFL or the app, and I can't remember which. Um, but he was spouting out that, "Yep, they're gonna gotta have they're gonna have four down football," and you know, just sounded like uh, a very, you know, very American. And you know, I, I I just don't I don't see what the CFL has to gain um, if they go to an American style. Uh, that really opens the gates, and and I know a market like Toronto will be not that Toronto is a very good football market in any sense, but it will be full on now. Like, why bother with this? You know, we're Toronto. Let's talk NFL. And I don't think the NFL is in any position to be heading into Toronto either. Um, but that's you know out west. I mean, you guys, Jim, probably have a, a totally different view because it's, you know, the, that's, that's the lifeblood of the CFL, is, you know, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan and Calgary and Edmonton. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly is. And I think if there were talks of a true merger, from my perspective at least, uh, abandoning the CFL style of game to adopt the American style of the four downs and the smaller field and the fewer players and the whole shebang, uh, it kind of it eliminates what makes the whole sport unique. Uh, I've argued for years that, in my opinion, the CFL is a better game played by inferior athletes uh, just because the dollars are so much smaller. The, the people with the big talent stay in the United States. Um, so if, if the goal is to merge the two leagues and sort of turn it into a multinational uh, XFL, I don't know that that necessarily does anything for either league because uh, it doesn't really set them apart from the NFL in any major way. Uh, it doesn't really give them anything to hang their hat on. So um, as as Tim was saying, I think if, if they're going to be putting these two things together, the, the thing that the CFL gets out of it is uh, dollars and resources. Uh, beyond that, I'm not sure what the end game is but does the xfl even have dollars and resources to offer that, 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 that is that's a perfectly legitimate question yeah well considering who redbird has in their portfolio i mean they're just they got oodles of money but it's just a matter of do they how much do they want to put into the cfl you know we're not talking we're not talking the late 90s where the cfl just you know just or they borrow what three million dollars from the nfl for marketing Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and then the failed American exper- uh, expansion. But 
there's just so many variables. And who was it that somebody was posting on social media that look at how many current XFL players are in the CFL? Uh, aren't we already technically a feeder league for the XFL? So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, you know, most guys that are in the CFL want to play in the NFL or they want to move to the XFL uh, to, to play at home. You know, I one of the problems I had at following the sport as a young kid is just had a lot of player movement. I wish, you know, you would have some players that would say, hey, I like the CFL, and you do. This is where I want to make my, my living. I, I love this city that I'm in. I Maybe you met somebody you fell in love with. But, uh, you know, I don't want to see the CFL be a feeder team, uh, a minor league or, you know, second division either. You know, but, I would personally like to see the, the Canadian Football League expand to other markets like Halifax. That seems to be impossible, yet they want to do something with the XFL. Worry about Halifax first, then then worry about the XFL. Well, all it all it took to stop Halifax <laughs> from happening was a global pandemic. What was that at the yeah. <laughs> not that they had time prior, thirty six years before to do this, but, <laughs> but, you but know. this also we're assumes, so close, so close. But this also assumes a, a long term view of the XFL that we've never had before. It, it, you know, Fill in the blank. We don't have to talk about the XFL. You could talk about the AAF. You could talk about the UFL. You could talk about the the World League. You could talk about the USFL. There have been a hundred different leagues that have come in and, and gone out in the same amount of time. It, you know, the CFL has been around. What? When did when did the Argonauts Rowing Club kick into gear? Like eighteen ninety eight or something like that. Like it's been around for a while. It's been around for a long time, and you know may, maybe it's. And I get it from a player standpoint. You know, you want to make the most amount of money that you can, and especially if you're a CFL player or an XFL player, like that, that's a really short career. Um, but there's nothing that has shown me yet that there's staying power for a second football league in the United States. That is, that is just that is almost exactly the NFL. You know, the Arena League, totally different. You know, the, that's barely the same sport, right? But Oh, yes. You, you got To me, you got the NFL and you got college, and then the opinion in the States to me has been that it doesn't really matter. Maybe it's okay for a little bit, but we don't really care that much. And another piece, another piece of this big equation – one that I was actually surprised by and not being a follower of what was going to happen in the XFL, they're not even going to play this year. They're set to start in 2022. Well, now they're on pause for yeah. 2022 unless whatever happens with the CFL. What makes sense is if the XFL is a feeder system to the NFL. That makes more sense. Obviously, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Who knows? And, and like I said, who knows where the XFL will be in by 2022? You know, I, I, I hope they're back. I would love for them to come back. But like I said, there's still a mystery. And, and they want to do something with the CFL that right now is just in talks. I mean, I can tell you many stories before I met my wife. I met a pretty girl that I was talking to, and that never led to anything. So <laughs> this, this is kind of, you know, this is kind of what, you know, you got somebody's number and she never called you back. So, you know, maybe you had that one conversation, but uh, I, who knows? I, I, I'm just, I'm curious. I wouldn't be shocked to hear the news. And then, and then again, I wouldn't be that upset to hear the news. I, I wasn't expecting to hear. So we're, hopefully they tell us something soon. I don't, I don't, it can be six months from now, and they still don't have anything new to new tell us. Well, hopefully in six months we'll be within the, the current CFL season. That's, yes. that's the hope. But yes. I, think, I think one thing we need to look is the history of four-down football in Canada. I think the only real technically staying power for four-down football recently has been um, out in B.C. for Simon Frazier. Thank you, Simon Frazier. Okay. They're the only full-time right. four-down football that has any consequence. But if you look at what Canada's gone through with when either what is it the Kent Continental Football League, World League of American Football, uh, the exhibitions, NFL exhibitions, and I'll even throw in for Toronto the, the Bills. 
Yeah, the Bills. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. And then the college, and then the college exhibitions. Right. Uh, sorry, the college, the college bowls. College bowls. Yeah. The only one that really had, if you look at the history of what it was recently, Montreal actually did well when the machine were here. Great uniforms. Yeah, they they were for their games for the two seasons. I think they did quite well. But other than that, didn't the games in Toronto for with the Bills and they? Oh, yeah, they, they, they ended that agreement uh, early, and, and really that, that whole thing was about Ted Rogers. And, and don't forget when it started. So the, the whole uh, Bills thing started with Ralph Wilson, right? So while that agreement played, well, while that agreement was in place, mm-hmm. uh, and that was between Ralph Wilson and, and Ted Rogers, well, now... Where are we at the end? Well, Rogers is gone. He, he had died. And also, uh, Ralph Wilson has died, right? And they had moved on, um, thankfully, not to Donald Trump. I don't know. Unfortunately, not to Donald Trump. I guess it all depends on your... I, I would have been fine with that. <laughs> on your perspective. Uh, but you've got the, the um, Galasanos now, who are, are the owners of the Bills. Um, but, Tim, you, you brought up Simon Frazier. I think it's fair to say that Simon Fraser football is is really just part of a bigger uh, Simon Fraser issue, which is they want to compete in the United States. Yeah, not just in football. Um, I'm not even sure if they want football. I think it kind of, I think it's kind of part of their uh, division that they're in that they have to have football, and they're kind of keeping it because, if I remember correctly, Simon Fraser football has been pretty terrible since they moved to Division 2. Is it, is it Division 2? I, 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 last time I remember them being an NAIA, but it is it Division 2? That was, they were NAIA and then they moved back to at that time it was CIS yeah. and then went back into Division 2. Jim, are you get, catching any Simon Fraser uh, Division 2 football out there? Or? Uh, no. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the only the only connection I'm coming up with off the top of my head, is, and this seems to be sort of a uniquely BC thing, is that the UBC Thunderbirds baseball team uh, also plays south of the border in the NAIA. And, uh, I mean, Jeff Francis, formerly of the uh, Colorado uh, Rockies, uh, he was, he was uh, a, a UBC kid. Uh, who made it to the majors. Um, so there seems to be a pro-American sports attitude in that sort of Vancouver area uh, that maybe pushes somebody like uh, like Simon Fraser to, to want to be in there rather than be in the CIS for whatever reason. And I couldn't even begin to guess why that is. So how does that bode for... Canadian uh, for four down football in Canada because you look at the history. You know, mm-hmm. Toronto's been all pro NFL, but yet they had the regular season games. I mean, yes, Montreal and others had the international bowls or whatever they called them back when. I know there are two of them here in Montreal, but they're, they're exhibition games. Same thing with Winnipeg, it was an exhibition game. Is, would four-down football really work? I think that's the question people need to think about. Yeah, and, and let's face it, Toronto is a very different market than, than you know, the Western, the Western teams, uh, different than Montreal. I mean, Toronto is very much a front-runner kind of market. I think, I think there were a couple things at play with the Bills. Um, first of all, they were from Buffalo, which... I don't think it's a stretch to say that people from Toronto view as inferior. Uh, it wasn't their team. So I, I went to one of the games. You saw as many, they played the Seahawks. You saw just as much Seahawks gear and, and everything else gear as you did Buffalo gear. It wasn't, it wasn't really a Buffalo thing. Uh, the, the liquor laws in Ontario are so vastly different than they are in Montreal uh, or in Montreal, sorry, in Buffalo, you know, people from Toronto will go, if they want to 
do NFL. They'll go down to Buffalo and they will party up in the in the parking lots and they'll hop up on the RVs and jump off and swan dive and break tables and all that kind of stuff. Was that happening in downtown Toronto? Heck no. Like Doug Ford, Premier Doug Ford tried to loosen up the, the liquor laws and that wasn't even all that great. I mean, the Argonauts have tried um, they've tried to have tailgate parties and whatnot. And, but when you can't bring your own beer, that seems to be really the stopping point. Uh, so you, you can't bring your own beer to a, a CFL game before and drink nope. it? Nope. Really? No, you have to have a license. Interesting. So, yeah, it's the the college games. Um, I went to all the college games, all the international college bowls. Uh, they were fine. Uh, probably the most populated one was where Buffalo was there, the UB. Uh, it, you know, there was nothing really. I mean, it was a, a secondary tertiary bowl. It wasn't like it wasn't like you were getting Alabama and, and and SEC teams or anything like that. I think the official matchups were a team from the Big East and a team from the MAC. So that's not a lot of drawing power. Uh, so you know, is it the game? In, in Toronto, I don't think it necessarily is the game. It's, you know, it's that view of, of is it big time? We're Toronto. We're, we're the, the third biggest city in Canada slash U.S. You know, minor league stuff isn't for us. You so see the size of our tower? Come on. Yeah. Look how big our tower is. It's huge. <laughs> it's a freaking huge tower. The only minor league stuff that is really – really flown, what I would call minor league. Um, lacrosse has done fairly well, but it's really tapered off in the last five years, ten years. And uh, the Marlies have done well, but they, the Leafs have worked really, really hard to build the Marlies. Nothing else that is under the top tier now has really has really taken grasp. So, Yeah, the Phantoms didn't even draw well in 01 and 02. No, no. Oh, the Phantoms... No, but you know, I think uh, I think Toronto views itself as Canadian when it's convenient, right? Uh, well, you know, that's, that's Mark, you said you were saying uniquely Canadian. Like, I think mean, Toronto doesn't view itself Canadian. as radically Canadian. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not well, us. I mean, oh, come on, Mark. I was watching, wanting you to say it in French. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's not good. That's, we'll be here all day doing that. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, – well, I mean, I, I, I growing up in New Jersey, we had arena football and, and we had the generals and the knights and uh, the, the enforcers. And, you know, arena football never drew well in the New York market. Uh, the spring football actually did. It, it, drew, it drew reasonably well, but it wasn't there long enough to really get a good baseline data. So, you know, I, I can see the Toronto market as, you know, we like hockey. We've got the baseball, especially when the Jays are doing well. Uh, they'll pack the Sky Dome. Uh, obviously, uh, the Raptors are a major draw. You, MLS soccer is huge. I think there was one year the correct me if I'm wrong. The Grey Cup and the MLS Cup were both held mm-hmm. at BMO Field. Yep. The MLS Cup was was the hotter ticket, or was that a, a playoff uh, game? Maybe that was the hotter ticket than the Grey Cup. No, I mean, along that line. Yeah, the M- the MLS Cup, I I think it was hotter. It was probably also significantly cheaper. Uh, okay. Yeah, and it, and yeah, it's it it guaranteed. You know, the the it was Toronto FC playing, right? It was the it was the it was the home team as opposed to whoever happened yeah, to be so, in the Great so, Cup that year. So now you have this new professional sports club in town. That's taken away some of the the thunder that hopefully you wanted for the Argos, which which is a shame because I was just watching a, the documentary about the 1971 team, and they said once we started winning, people people started coming out, and you would see a packed ex, you know, exhibition stadium, and you're like, wow, you know how how cool would it have been w- once the team started winning and once this team had sort of this this legendary status to it to see a packed stadium. And and the Argos have provided some good teams in the uh, recent years. They've had they've had some great cup wins. They don't always do well, but it's not like they're long suffering fans. Well, it's uh 
it's a it's a rather it's a rather famous quote that in 1970 I want to say 77 John Bassett was in Exhibition Stadium uh, doing some work with some of his guys and there was a Jays game going on and just the noise and he said guys I think it's over so mm-hmm. like that 71 team you were talking about well that was before the Jays came and okay. Uh, and also, the Argos were ungodly awful from the mid-50s all the way through to that point. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here, here I mean, we've talked about what what does the CFL get to gain? What does what does the XFL have to gain from from this partnership, whatever it could be? It's my think. I think arguably they could be gaining a certain level of legitimacy. Uh, I mean, the XFL has had basically two kicks at the cat to get themselves up and running in a substantial way. The CFL has been around for more than a century. Uh, They're very well established. In the grand scheme of things, they're kind of small time. But they're a thing that has been around and will probably be around for years to come in some capacity. so the kind of a known quantity, then uh, you can pretty much count on it that each team's going to draw somewhere between twenty and 30,000 fans a game for the most part, maybe not all the time, but uh, there's a level of consistency there that the XFL maybe has, would aspire to, just as a guess. Or is this some sort of publicity stunt, the XFL? Some rouge that they want us to uh, buy. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I am just totally miffed. I just think the XFL needs to to get off the training wheels and have a successful season. They have not had one yet. And, you know, they they took 20 years off. They're back. I wish them well, but uh, maybe credibility. Maybe you're absolutely right. You know, the NFL's not paying attention to them. So you go after the second, you know, the second level of, of this American-Canadian style of football uh, in the world, you know. And I guess the CFL is like, okay, we'll listen. We, you know, we're, we'll, we'll give you our, our, our number to you. So, but, yeah, that, that's – I have to agree with, with uh, Jim there. I, I Just credibility. I, I don't know what else. I, they're not going to bring in three downs to the XFL. You know, maybe they bring in the unlimited man in motion in the backfield. Maybe they bring in – I don't think they'll even bring in the uh, the field goal post up to the front. It's – yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. That, that's why I like – I would love to know more about this. But I, I think before anything is said and done, I think the CFL needs to kind of take care of its business as well. And hopefully the XFL is back in 2022 in some form. Hopefully in St. Louis where they were accepted very well. Yeah. And uh, we can continue playing because I think there is a market for spring football for 10 weeks done right. But you, you start talking all sorts of different football leagues, you know, you can confuse a lot of your fans out there. The XFL, I think, also was – they were going through a transition for year two. They were going into smaller – they were going to go into smaller stadiums. Yeah, like, yeah like, that's key. Like New York was going to be switching to, I think, was it Red Bulls Park, I Red, think? Red Bulls Arena, cool. yeah. yeah. By, uh, which makes sense. Uh, MetLife, they had no business playing at MetLife. No, no. Wasn't no, the was Washington team playing at the D.C. United? Was it Audi, Audi, yeah. Audi Stadium or something like that? Yeah, the, the only movement I heard was possibly Tampa Bay moving to Orlando. Oh, that too, yeah. And actually a moving of a team, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. And then Los Angeles, perhaps playing elsewhere, maybe not necessarily. Birmingham and San Antonio. Don't all of these leagues have Birmingham and San Antonio in common? They all have. <laughs> they all have Memphis. Don't forget Memphis. You know, right. Like San Antonio, yeah, th- those are like almost whenever you have one of these rival football leagues. Birmingham, Memphis, Orlando they, usually has one. Even the CFL. Birmingham, San Antonio, (laughs) Memphis, Las Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. And then Oakland, that's an open market. Would would XFL go in there? Would they go into Portland, Oregon? Can the XFL uh, gain any sort of 
access to a workforce, right? Is 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 that part of part of the deal? Is that what they're looking at? Like an easy access to to a player's bank? Wouldn't it be kind of the other way around? I mean, they would be looking at players who would finish their seasons in. November, October, November, then have to, but have access to the to the CFL pool. I mean, we know there there are players by the dozens that are available to play football. Why does it necessarily have to be the CFL player pool? Maybe some sort of agreement, like they kind of had with the NFL, the, the even though it has hurt CFL, having that open open calendar, so to speak, where players can go because these one-year contracts in the CFL are hurting the league by far. One of the, one of the great things that, and, and, you know, it's, again, it's that Canadian inferiority complex. One of the great things I love about the CFL is guys like Johnny Manziel and Andre Ware, these big-name guys who are, you know, they're all puffy and, yeah, I'm going to come up in the CFL, a piece of cake. I'll be back in the NFL in 10 minutes. And then they find out that it's a totally different game and they can't do it. And there is a litany of players who who can't play the Canadian style, which makes it that much better. You have to find those special players who can do a certain thing a certain way. Now, it's a little bit less so than it was, you know, back in the 80s where you had a guy like Warren Moon who could run like a gazelle and who had a cannon. And, you know, they didn't want to, you know, the the NFL didn't want a black quarterback to just hand off to whoever their running back was, right? Uh, the NFL has changed significantly where the passing game is that much more, whereas the CFL game seems to have always been that way, at least since, you know, the 70s, where they were passing all over the place, far more than the NFL was. So, uh, who knows? I, 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 I'm really having a, a hard time getting my head around what what either side is going to gain out of this out of this partnership. Uh, maybe it's just as simple as as scheduling their seasons so they're not competing. Maybe that's. Where it's at? They already don't. They already have uh, seasons that don't overlap, correct? I think the XFL is February to May, at least June, and then CFL is July to November. Okay. I, I mean, I can't see the I can't see CFL playing in February. No. <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> if, if you have if a dome uh, stadium. Yeah, the, I mean, if the if BC Lions of, playing against nobody. <laughs> if it's a case of uh, swapping players around a little bit and, and using those two seasons concurrently, then it might take on something like a model that uh, professional lacrosse has, where the National Lacrosse League playing indoors starts in December and wraps up in May-ish, and Major League Lacrosse outside uh, starts up May-ish and runs into the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about half of the players in those two leagues are the same guys who basically play lacrosse year-round, and that's how they make a living because neither one of those sports individually is enough to pay the bills. So, Well, I don't think anybody's playing in the Major League Lacrosse anymore. <laughs> it's kind of dead, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the, you're, what you're saying is absolutely true. The PLL is still... Uh, Still not playing at the same time, so yeah. so what do you, what do we think? Uh, like let let's as as we're wrapping up here, let's let's handicap this. Uh, what do you think the odds are that anything comes of this, or anything significant comes of this? Okay. Uh, I think right you have to say it right now it's fifty fifty because if you see the way people are talking in in media, it's either one way, the game's going to change drastically, or the game is not going to change, because very eye-opening interview from Herb Zerkowski of the Montreal Gazette came out yesterday, and he talked with the owners of the Owls and our president. Very eye-opening. I think it's probably one of the most clearest interviews of what they're looking to happen. Okay. It's, it's a very interesting article. 
And then you hear, who was it that said, you know, that, you know, Rod Peterson. I got to use that as an example. What he, you know, what he caused the other day on social media and on his show. You know, when it comes to supporting the league. But it's, they, nobody knows what's going on. I don't care what June Jones says. <laughs> I really don't. So me, I'm sorry. I'm still, because we really don't know anything, it's, 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 it's 50-50. It's really all that it can be, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think I have to agree with you, 50-50, because I can't see third down football dis- disappearing, but I can see maybe some rule changes. Like I said, I'm not going to be shocked and I'm not going to be stunned or – you know, like if they say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna merge and we're gonna play it this way." Okay, okay, we're just gonna have player development and you know TV contracts, or you know we're we're gonna adapt some of the rules. You know, maybe there's uh, missed field goals to be worth a point in the uh, XFL now. Oh, okay, I can see that. So yeah, fifty fifty. I, I I can't even lean towards one or the other because I don't. Americans will not want to see third down three down football and. The, the Western Provinces will not want to see four-down football. Won't be not radically Canadian anymore. <laughs> what do you think, Jim? I would be inclined to agree. I, I'd say there's no better than a coin flip's chance of something actually coming of this. Um, so I guess we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but what shape it's going to look like if they do decide to do something is anybody's guess. Uh, you can throw some darts at the wall and see what sticks. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't see three-down football going away. Um, if they blend the two leagues and put them together, uh, including blending the rules, at least we still don't have any fair catches, which drive me crazy. Uh, so I guess we'll see. <laughs> you know, there's one thing that I think we we may have glossed over a bit, and that is that the ownership situation in the XFL is probably a lot better off than it is in the CFL. You have a new set of owners who really haven't lost a ton of money on anything because they haven't had to put any money out yet. Whereas in Canada, you have some publicly owned teams that can't be in, in great shape, uh, with the COVID wiping out the whole season last year, uh, you have the BC Lions, which are are really in flux. I, I don't really know what's happening to their ownership group as they're being, you know, they're currently owned by the estate of, of David Braley. And, and what is that going to look like? Um, and then, you know, you've got the Argonauts that are, are just newly part of MLSE. And you've got the Alouettes, who have a fairly new ownership group as well. Uh, and uh, as much as you may love TSN and their coverage, the CFL still brings in the most money at the gate, and there was no gate last year. And um, I'm not sure how bad the situation is financially currently in the CFL. Maybe that has a lot more to do with this talk of partnership than anyone is really letting on. But, uh, you know, 50-50 coin flip, it sure brought some attention to the CFL in in a very short period of time. And, uh, you know, radically Canadian... We were typically Canadian and had a bit of a freak out on it. And I, I was probably le- leading the way on that one. So, well, maybe not leading the way, but I was definitely in the pack. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anybody have anything that they want to add in parting? No, I just, like I said, they're just in talk. So we'll we'll keep our ears tuned, eyes tuned to see what the next uh, story is. But Dave, it, you hit on something that I didn't even think about. Yeah, the XFL is probably in better financial straight uh ownership wise, which uh makes a lot of sense. 
Well, the they've CFL only, may be coming to them. Yeah, they've only you know reported sixty to eighty million dollar losses for this CFL, and technically Redbird and The Rock and uh, the other ownership group, they only technically it's only fifteen million because that's how much they bought the league for out of yeah. out of bankruptcy. So. Yep. Yeah. Can you imagine, uh, you know, Winnipeg and and Saskatchewan uh, after they've put big, huge public dollars into these really nice stadiums and then all of a sudden, poof, you know, the league's gone and they're going to be left holding the bag for this giant, these giant stadiums that now hold university teams where 600 people a game show up. I mean, that could be... That could be some some tough political uh, political chow to munch on. I don't know. I think it's, it's six of eight teams that have done some sort of either new stadium or work. The only two that really haven't would be Edmonton, Montreal. Oh yeah, yeah, Edmonton, Montreal, or Calgary, Calgary, too. Calgary, oh, Calgary, Calgary is yeah. the one. Everybody has done at least something. I mean, Edmonton had a Jim. Didn't Edmonton have a big reno in the? Edmonton did a big reno, I want to say, close to 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Molson, personal Molson went through it, and it, was, it was about 10 years ago. Yeah. Yep. Hamilton's brand new. Ottawa's yeah. new. Hackers. Um, <laughs> no, Calgary's no, done they, some work, but they, they haven't done a lot. Yeah. Calgary is, Calgary is the outlier there. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, it's not going to take much for the ownership group there to say, you know, for, for the Flames to say, yeah, okay, we're done. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> we'll focus on hockey. But Yeah, well, they're getting their new hockey rink uh, soon, so it, I wouldn't be shocked if they're already starting behind the scenes to push for a new football field because, uh, yeah, we are in desperate need if the Stampeders are going to continue to be a thing. But how much, how much is your buddy going to be uh, all in on a new football stadium after – Sort of forced, being forced to be all in on a on a hockey rink. Uh, I I can't confirm or deny this in an election year because he hasn't said anything. But I think my buddy, the mayor of Calgary, might not run again. Oh, okay. So we'll see. All right. In which case, he won't he won't be part of that decision. Won't be part of that decision. Yeah. Well, I know I know Gary Bettman will be extremely upset. And sad to see uh, Mayor Neshi. Did I get that right, Mayor Neshi? Neshi, uh, yeah. Not run. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be sad. Yeah. Anyway, on that on that note, um, I want to thank you guys for for joining us on a on an unusual day. Uh, Jim, thanks for coming on. Uh, let the viewers know where where they can follow you on social media. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lethbridge Jimbo. Awesome. And Tim, when, when's our next? Uh, when's your next podcast for Alouette's Flight Deck coming out? Uh, just had our season six launch uh, last week. Uh, unveiled our new logo for the podcast, and we're hoping to do every two weeks. Um, but if head over to any of the uh, podcast aggregates, or head over to uh, alouettesflightdeck.ca to catch up, or you can follow me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. All right. Thank you. Mark, where can all of our favorite viewers and listeners follow you? You can follow me at Ballpark Hunter across all social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, uh, and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel where I chronicle my visits to ballparks, restaurants, bars, and uh, city lifestyles. So uh, check check that out. Subscribe, like, comment. New con- new content every week, to- Mondays and Thursdays. So ballpark hunter at YouTube. All right, and you can follow me at profan nine on Twitter. And if I ever get to go to a game again, maybe on Instagram, uh, and watch for our regular Stadium Journey podcast. Actually, just dropped yesterday with um, Greg Larson, who was the author of Clubby, and keep your eyes open for a new episode of Obstructive Views in the not-too-distant future. So for Mark and Jim and Tim, thanks. This is Dave Cotney 
saying that this is the point where Paul usually inserts a clever song lyric, but I don't have one, so have a good night. This is a switch to the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In The Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, didn't get pregnant. I didn't get either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calchico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter, Chris Press discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. You get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.